1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Dave Kuston's in here with us. Uh, I just heard him laugh and snicker to himself, which is always a heartwarming sound. And, I think it's because uh, you
1: mispronounce his name. No, no, I, I said it right. Couston. I thought it was Coustin. No, that's
0: what you want it to sound like when you're French. No, this is Coustin. Oh, ah, okay. Like yeah. Houston? Exactly, but with a C instead of an H. Coustin means that I'm one
1: day closer to you. What? <laughs> no? That's a song, right? I don't know. Houston means that I'm one, one step closer oh, to you. Oh, gotcha. Or I've one never day heard closer that song. That's an a old day? country jam.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to guess Dionne Warwick. No, (laughs) she always likes singing about about (laughs) Houston, yeah, (laughs) about San Jose, etc. Oh, okay, that was a Bacharach Burt Bacharach song. Um, and she popularized it because she did it so well. Do you know the way to San Jose? Oh, okay, I didn't know she sang that. Mm, Oh, yeah, I guess she popularized it with everyone but you. Okay, that was sarcastic. no that was that was a pretty straightforward direction. <laughs> sarcastic would have been like um, oh, I'm sure you didn't know that, yeah, I guess that would be sarcastic. It wouldn't have made much sense, but yes, you know what's funny chuck in in researching this, I kept trying to come up with um examples of sarcasm, and it's one of the hardest things in the world to do, do you think? with with thought Sarcasm is like almost always off the cuff or, uh, or right. in, not very well thought out it's which which um i think is one reason why you know most people agree that somebody who is employing sarcasm even when they're not very good at it is the funniest person in the world right then
1: <laughs> see that's sarcasm
0: i i can't help myself <laughs>
1: Yeah, this researching sarcasm really makes you take a long, hard look in the mirror, doesn't it?
0: It really does. And at people who are big fans of Deadpool.
1: Who <laughs> I do like Deadpool. Oh, yeah? Uh, here's my deal with sarcasm. It is... <laughs> Lay it I, on us. I mean, I definitely can be sarcastic. I think all of us can be. And I think yeah. it can be used for funsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely see where I can be a real a-hole. Mm-hmm. Sometimes by being sarcastic, like to Emily, and that's like the sort of that goes back to my end. Boy, I'm sort of revealing some stuff here. Oh, but okay. That this it falls under the umbrella of. Of my communication issues, mm-hmm. instead of being like straightforward with something, mm-hmm. maybe being sarcastic, but or passive aggressive, and me and and sarcasm all kind of go hand in hand. I think.
0: Yeah, so you've hit upon something that I think is not really necessarily obvious to just anybody when they are confronted with sarcasm. Is it I'm a big jerk? Is that <laughs> so, no? Sarcasm is a, a way to hide. Mm-hmm. It's a way to hide from emotions. Yeah. It's a way to hide from direct conflict if you're not um, yes. big into conflict. It's a way to hide from criticizing somebody when you're not big into that, but you really need to or you want to. And mm-hmm. you said it. It's passive-aggressive. But I think we should make the distinction. And I, I um, came across this very late in research, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. That there is a distinction between sarcasm and verbal irony. And mm-hmm. that sarcasm is at its core insulting, mocking, harmful, and hurtful. Whereas Can verbal be. verbal irony is just basically like a, a a joke where no one gets insulted. Where. Where maybe a situation is being made fun of. Like if it's great weather today, huh? Exactly. If it's it's raining cats and dogs. Yes. That would be verbal irony, not sarcasm. Um, I saw a really great example about the distinction on, I can't remember, it was like a TV and film writing website. But they basically said, in that sense, that would be verbal irony. But if you were the spouse of a meteorologist who forecast a sunny day, when they came home and, and it was raining cats and dogs, and you said, great weather today, that would be sarcasm because you're insulting or mocking them for getting it wrong.
1: Right. Like, let's say you and I are neighbors, great weather today josh Mm -hmm. oh you said it there neighbor hey i can speak for myself (laughs) oh you said it there neighbor different than hey nice job with your front lawn josh right and i'd say thanks swimming underwater (laughs) you're you're the six-year-old that takes everything literally (laughs) exactly yeah because i have uh i have noticed that uh, What made me think of sarcasm, you picked this article, but I was like, it's kind of perfect Mm because having a kid will make you realize how often you're sarcastic because they don't get it, (laughs) at (laughs) least not yet. She's uh, just turned six, same day as you. Happy birthday.
0: Yeah, happy birthday, Ruby, too.
1: And very sweet uh, gifts that you sent, and you guys exchanged video messages, which Mm -hmm. was adorable. (laughs) But um, she's six, and she still doesn't get sarcasm. And I've had to say, like, that was sarcasm. And she's like, what? And I'm like, man, why... Just keep that purity alive of them taking things literally
0: yeah yeah it's pretty... like don't
1: don't introduce sarcasm to your kid but you can't help it
0: no and that's the thing like there's there's a, a whole th- school of thought that it's like to heck with sarcasm like we don't need it people who use sarcasm are annoying insecure people um, there it's it's not a nice thing to do or say like there's better ways of getting your point across, and it's not even particularly funny. But the thing is, is I've found that when you follow that thread, there's, like, something inherently problematic with it, and that there is some value to sarcasm in some some instances. It's just one of those things that should be wielded very delicately and infrequently and in the right context. But if you and do innocently. it like that, sure. And if you do it like that, though, it can be... Um, very useful and, and actually, some studies have found um, that it's actually beneficial brain wise too, although researching all the sarcasm stuff has just reiterated my um my belief that social psychology as a field should be completely dissolved, and they right. should just start from <laughs> scratch again because it is almost exclusively useless,
1: yeah, I it is
0: so bad, dude. <laughs>
1: We should have a, uh, every time you go off on social psychology, we should have a sound effect. We need to start <laughs> employing Here more sound he goes effects. goes again. <laughs> just get that part. We should hire a barbershop quartet just full time to stand behind us.
0: Made up of s- exclusively of social psychologists. Right, exactly.
1: Who can also sing those sweet, sweet tunes. So Webster's defines... Um, <laughs> That's kidding. a great start, Chuck. Uh It's actually the Oxford English Dictionary. If you want to go back to the original definition, which I think it it is useful. We don't love to read definitions, but its first definition was a sharp, bitter, or cutting expression or remark, Mm -hmm. a bitter jibe or taunt. And and the word itself even derives from ancient Greek, from uh, to tear flesh, gnash the teeth, and speak bitterly. So it seems like from the beginning sarcasm was not like a nice and, and super funny thing for people
0: no and apparently the ancient greeks um had their own famous sarcastic socrates who was um known for what's now known as sarc- socratic irony which is mm-hmm. terrible where you, basically you play dumb uh when you're talking to somebody in order to kind of get their true opinion out about something and then you Destroy their opinion, and you suddenly become intelligent and destroy their opinion it's a terrible, terrible thing to do, but apparently Socrates was well known for that kind of thing, so much so that they named it after him
1: that's right he It's called the how how about them apples approach <laughs> right um, interpreting sarcasm that's that's where it gets tricky because. And that's why a six-year-old, and we'll get to kids more because and some people say that by that age they can uh, detect sarcasm, but we'll get to that. Um, I'm glad that that my daughter can't yet because that means that she's not a jerk yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far as picking up on these clues, you, the words themselves you can't rely on. So what you're looking for are other kinds of clues uh, that are myriad, um, one of which is obviously the tone of voice uh let's say you can't even see the person if you see someone say great weather today like you you know without even looking out the window that that probably means it's it's raining or something
0: yeah don't even need to look they just saved you the effort
1: right and some people say that that's a nasal tone uh this kind of seemed a little hinky to me but some researchers have said that there's a connection between that um, sarcasm and extreme disgust. Mm-hmm. And that's why it comes out nasally. Like you're trying to expel something through like your mouth and your nose. Uh,
0: great weather. Like your I nose guess. wrinkles, I guess, a little bit. I can see Maybe. it.
1: I can uh, see. And then, of course, there are physical cues like a – a good eye roll or at least, like, looking up when you say something is a big, big clue.
0: Yeah, that one in particular is because your brain is going haywire because you're saying the opposite of what you mean. And researchers have concluded that that, that looking up, which kind of looks like an eye roll, is actually uh, processing difficulty. <laughs> your brain oh, really? is like, I don't know what to do. Here, just make the eyes look up while I try to figure out what I'm doing here. That, that's, wow. That Yeah. There's social psychology's big contribution.
1: <laughs> um, as far as the intonation, uh, there's some researchers that have called that inverse pitch obtrusion, which mm-hmm. uh, great weather is, if it was really great weather, you would say, great weather today, huh? Mm-hmm. And if not, you'd say, great weather. So your your tone and your intonation goes down as a clear signal of sarcasm.
0: Yeah, which supposedly intonation or pitch, uh, um, inverse pitch obtrusion is... Um, Pretty universal as far as languages go, or different cultures. And yeah, because
1: other cultures are sarcastic. It's yeah. not just American.
0: No, and there's a big there's a big uh, debate online about whether it's a universal, whether sarcasm is universal. And some people are saying like, yes, it's everywhere. Like even if a culture has a taboo against it, which some could, although I couldn't find which ones. Um, although I think China is widely pointed to as a not a very high sarcasm culture. Um, but that if you have a if your culture has a taboo against sarcasm, you have to be aware of sarcasm to have a taboo against it. So it's still in that sense universal, even if it's not universally used right. or accepted by each culture.
1: Yeah, for sure. I could see Japan as not being super sarcastic.
0: So I read an article about Japan. It was like a business writer's um, experience, like a British an uh, expat working in Japan mm-hmm. and he said he used sarcasm and like he didn't really get much laugh much yeah. of a laugh and later on he said he was explaining it to his Japanese colleague and the, the colleague was like Oh I know it was sarcasm. We we know yeah, all we about just sarcasm. That was a grossly inappropriate <laughs> to use it right then. I think I was like Oh okay, good to know. Good to know
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh we know what sarcasm is. Yeah that that just that was just not good. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, another thing you can do is elongate your words. Um, it's much different to say "oh, sorry" than to say "sorry."
0: Yes, that's a great, great one.
1: Uh, that's intonation and elongating a word, I guess, combined with that eye roll. You can also go the
0: opposite way and take a word that should be said kind of um, with oomph and deflating it.
1: Yeah, right. I'm big. I'm big on that one.
0: Like, um, like, wow.
1: Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that a lot.
0: Yeah. 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 We 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 are very sarcastic people, I've come to realize.
1: <laughs> I use, for some reason, I know you didn't see Fletch and you hate Chevy Chase. Boo. But I... Uh, Wait, no,
0: no, I'm sorry. I love Chevy Chase. Uh, what are you Oh, yeah. About?
1: He's my favorite. He's so <laughs> funny. Um, I will, would use a line from his Fletch occasionally, um... I don't know why I would use it. I guess whenever there was a cop or something, mm-hmm. I would say, thank God, the police. And he's, <laughs> he says that line like that in the movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, I could, I can totally see it. Wearing a baseball cap, too, I'll wager.
1: Mm, probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you mentioned other cultures. Um, if you are a teacher of uh, ESOL, English as a second language, that is one of the trickier parts of teaching English to uh, people as a second language as adults or as kids even. Is is trying to teach them things like sarcasm if they're not super familiar with it, right. and sometimes apparently they will say, "Here, watch, uh, watch this TV show," um, because you know there's quite a bit of sarcasm on TV sitcoms.
0: Yeah, supposedly that's a really good way to, to pick up on um, on sarcasm is watching sitcoms, probably Friends in particular, I would guess. <laughs> I'm guessing they assign Friends a lot. Could um, they be any more sarcastic? So, Chuck, this is kind of a willy-nilly episode, and I kind of like them that way. I'm just going to go ahead and confess. So, there's no clear place where we should put an ad break in. So, I suggest that we put an ad break in right about here.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs)
2: There's joy in every journey. Stuxnet. Who Stuxnet? Say one more time. Stuxnet. I don't know. What that you is. know it's
0: Stuxnet. Is that is? in
2: this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. Man. You gotta
0: quit saying Stuxnet. That's the name of it. <laughs> I know. It's a great name. All right. Stuxnet with an <laughs> with an X. <laughs> you know, I have to say, when I was researching this, Chuck, I was wondering if we were going to just do the weird thing and, and not do be it. sarcastic. No. no. I just think that that was it was never going to happen, was it?
1: No. I think it's it it was clear from the beginning to me that we were gonna throw our own little brand of sarcasm in.
0: Can't help it, Chunk.
1: I can't tell if you're being straight or not. <laughs> I can't
0: either, <laughs> Chuck. So we're talking about kids um and whether or not they understand sarcasm. And there's been um some research on this kind of thing. Um and of course it's come up with contradictory findings. One thing I saw was that kids—you—you you kept mentioning six-year-olds not really getting sarcasm. That's about when they start to pick it up, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around age six. That's when they start grade school. I wonder okay, if that
1: has anything to do with it?
0: Maybe so, but but from what I saw, they might recognize it as sarcasm. They just don't understand it as a, a way to employ humor, and that right. that comes at about age ten, which happens to coincide when kids become obnoxious.
1: Uh yeah and then it's all then you <laughs> reap what you sow as a parent. Yeah. Because you're like I taught you this yeah. method and uh now it's being used used against me. Yeah. Like a weapon. Uh there was a study in France of French speaking kids in 2005 that showed uh kids at the age of 5 understood sarcasm when they uh when the sarcastic speaker was using intonation. Um where it took to be over seven to be able to tell by context. Mm-hmm. And context is when like I think the the example they use in the article was uh if you're like having a longer conversation about uh a family member being a bad gift giver, mm-hmm. and, and then at the very end you say, But I love my sweater that they got me. Right. And maybe see, like I said, it even sort of regular but contextually, it would still be sarcastic
0: I don't know, like even in that example, I just found it confusing to tell you well, I truth.
1: guess it could be. I was a little too I sold it too well it
0: sounded yeah, it <laughs> sounded really genuinely <laughs> earnest right that's the slip
1: that's the slippery slope of sarcasm
0: so um one of the other uh in addition to kids not necessarily getting sarcasm, uh people with dementia or alzheimer's. Um, or brain lesions have been found to not necessarily um, get sarcasm. And if you stop picking up on sar- sarcasm all of a sudden, uh, that's a really good indicator that you might need to go get an MRI too sweet.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and not just that, there are all kinds of neurodiversities that people can have that make them not able to pick up on sarcasm. Uh, I know that sometimes people with autism have difficulty understanding sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Um, they might take things a little more literally than uh, neurotypical people might. So it's, you know, you got to know who you're dealing with um, when you're throwing sarcasm around and being well, sensitive, that kind of thing.
0: Right, for sure. So um, so all people with autism are famously kind of associated with an inability to detect sarcasm. And from what I've seen, that's not really the best way to put it, that, they, that many people with autism can— Detect all uh, detect sarcasm, use sarcasm. Um, some find it funny, others can recognize it, but don't necessarily find it funny. Um, but there's different, comp- I don't know if they're competing or not, but there's different theories as to why that's the case, right? It's supposedly, um, people with autism tend to use more literal thinking than, um, the, the kind of, um, well, let me just say. Uh, sarcasm is known as a form of unplain speaking, along with some other kinds like um, forced politeness, where you like are nice to somebody who who's got you hate, um, or using aphorisms um, or uh, ritual language, like when you say I'm fine when somebody asks you how you're doing, even though you're not fine. Um, sarcasm falls under that. It's it's not saying. What you mean directly, and so if people with autism tend to use direct thinking and literal thinking, uh, if you use indirect or unplain speaking, it's going to be hard for them to pick up on. They're going to take it at its literal meaning. They might not pick up on the sarcasm, um, and so that that kind of ten- that um, tendency to think literally, combined with uh, an undeveloped theory of mind, which is where you can put yourself in the other person's shoes and imagine what they're thinking easily, which is what sarcasm requires you to do because they're saying something different, but you know that's not what they mean, and that requires that you go into their mind and tool around. Those two things combined tend to explain why people with autism are kind of thought of as not detecting sarcasm. Right. All right. Okay. You got it? Good job. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) If I had Uh, rainbow suspenders on right now, I would have just snapped them after that (laughs) one.
1: I actually had those when I was a kid.
0: I wanted those for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the whole Mork and Mindy thing. I even had the buttons on them, and uh, I I wore the khaki pants. I did my best to be Mork for Mork.
0: Yeah, so Mork's suspenders are obviously primo, but there's an overlooked vest, a puffy vest that he wears in the credits Mm -hmm. when they're on the football field that I would say even top the rainbow suspenders, yeah. I would love to get my hands on that vest.
1: Yeah, looking back, I was I was trying to be mork from mork, but I was dork from dork. <laughs> like, clearly, alive. I don't have any pictures of that, unfortunately. <laughs> Can uh, you imagine
0: wearing those with like a spinning bow tie? Like now? No, especially as a kid. Now it'd just be, be like I
1: don't know about this guy, but this right. a
0: kid wearing that?
1: <laughs> you'd be all right. Uh, if you're talking about the brain, there was a study in 2005 that, um, and, and this kind of stuff is always. I feel like we just have to say it, even though people are like, okay, those are the three parts of the brain. That <laughs> means right. nothing to me. That's it. But the three parts: the language cortex in the left hemisphere, the frontal lobes, and the right hemisphere, and the right, uh, the right ventromedial prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna hear the comment. And your language cortex kicks in and understands the literal meaning, mm-hmm. uh, great weather, right? Then the frontal lobe and the right hemisphere have the context, it's raining, and then that right ventromedial prefrontal cortex puts the two together and it goes, sarcasm, dummy.
0: Right. And the laugh region goes bananas.
1: Yeah, the laugh region. <laughs> it's sometimes it can be funny, but it's you gotta really be good at it.
0: So um Chuck I was talking about how sarcasm qualifies as unplain speaking. That's like the general umbrella that it falls under, right? Yes. Um and that the fact that it is unplain speaking where you can get a message across just as easily directly saying the weather sucks today. What is the point then of using sarcasm of saying great weather today rather than this weather sucks today? um there and so linguists, researchers um you know speech scientists, talkie doctors, all these people together have have come up with this idea that there must be some additional thing that's going on there, clearly that there is something gained by using sarcasm over using the direct message that gets the same point across because sarcasm's got a little extra mustard on it. And they've tried to get to the bottom of exactly what that
1: mustard is.
0: And I'm sorry to use mustard. I know you don't like it very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and by the way, my dog might actually be barking some in this episode. There's just nothing I can do about it I think that makes it folksy. (laughs) We usually try and edit that out, but we'll just see. Hmm. Um, There are, are a couple of ideas on why people do it. Um, like when it's a purposeful thing and not just like, oh, I'm trying to be funny or whatever. Um, sometimes, well, sometimes it could j- just be as easy as like you have a very hard time being straightforward with someone. And you, like you said, you use it to hide, you use it as a defense or something like mm, that. Right. Um, Cloaking something in a positive term, oh, you did a really great job with that episode, Josh. <laughs> um, That's sarcastic criticism, whereas you can do the exact opposite uh, if you and I were out, um, I mean, the example they use in the article is fishing, and I'm not catching any fish, and uh-huh. you're just like catching tons of fish. Right? I'm like, oh boy, you're really, you really suck at that fishing thing. Right? That is a sarcastic compliment, mm-hmm. and this is all wrapped up under what's called the tinge theory of sarcasm, which is you're you're trying to mute either your criticism or your praise of somebody. By throwing, by slapping that mustard on it.
0: Yeah, by tinging it with irony, hence the name, yeah. right? There's also like a related one that really just kind of looks at the, um, the criticism part. Um, it's called politeness theory. And it basically just says that we use sarcasm to criticize because it makes the, the criticism more palatable. And so you right. put that together, and that is one interpretation of what sarcasm is there for. It's meant to boost. It's meant to mute either the compliment or the the praise or the criticism. But then there's another one that basically says the exact opposite, that sarcasm is meant to be like more biting, that it's meant to to Mm -hmm. really make the mustard
1: spicy and put it right into your (laughs) eye. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think, I mean, I get the value somewhat of using sarcasm rather than, God, if you're just straightforward about everything, it's like, it's sort of boorish. Like, if, if let's say you're you're with a friend who you're hanging out, and your friend is always talking over you, and you don't get a chance to get a word in edgewise, and you made a little sarcastic dig mm-hmm. in front of people, like like, oh no, I'm sure they're going to let me speak any minute now. Right. That person would go, all right, I I see what you're saying. Like <laughs> I, it, I it it right. it, may, it may be a little bit of an a hole sarcastic comment, but. What if someone was always just, like, pulling you aside and being like, you just never let me speak? And it it would just really, like, I think there are times to be straightforward like that. But if you're like that all the time, it's like, God, no one's going to want to be around you either. Yeah, or or even if you didn't pull them aside at the table, if you were
0: like, you know, Chuck, I'm sorry, but it's my turn to speak. (laughs) You're not letting me speak, so I'm going to speak now. Okay, I would really here's just like what to be straightforward to than sarcastic. Yeah, that's going to just like, there's going to be a record oh. scratch. And like you said, no one wants to hang out with you. And that's, that's what I was worst. talking about at the outset of this. That it's like the idea it of just getting rid of sarcasm altogether. There's something inherently wrong with that. Because if used correctly, sarcasm is a, it's a right. social lubricant that just it can keeps It keep the party going. going. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Because
1: at least everyone gets a laugh. It might be at their expense a little. They get the message and you don't like stop the fun of the party by make t- having a real serious talk about interrupting people,
0: <laughs> right? And then starting your point, that's,
1: right? Yeah, and then right. everyone wants to hear what you've got to say, <laughs>
0: right? So, so the other idea is that sarcasm is used to make criticism more biting. That it's basically right. like this: this. If I did just say, you know, um, uh, uh, you, you know. You didn't screw that up. Or no, if I said, you know, Josh, you really screwed this episode up. I can't even criticize you hypothetically. I'm sorry. (laughs) If if you said to me, Josh, you really screwed this episode up, Uh um, I would be like, oh, well, go sit on it, Chuck. But if you said, boy, you didn't screw that episode up at all, Josh, I would be leveled for months, basically. (laughs) Really? (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's what that interp- That's what that theory is—the rival theory to tinge theory—that that it it actually gives an even more emotional impact to criticism than it otherwise would have directly.
1: Yeah, and I think, oh, not to get too personal, but I think you and I, as, as partners, have learned to deal with each other a little more straightforwardly over the years. I think that's how we both prefer to be handled by each other. Sure. As and that's with us. Like it's different for. It's not like. I can be super sarcastic with other people, but I know that that wouldn't be a very nice thing to do to you. Does that make sense? Sure, it makes sense.
0: I I think that you can be sarcastic with me.
1: Well, I can be. Give it a try. Come on. (laughs) Let's see what you got. Uh I could be. I can, <laughs> I just, can be. <laughs> just held their breath. They're like,
0: is he about to, to level Josh?
1: Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I can be, and I am sarcastic with you, but only in like fun ways. Like I would know never, I, I know now to not make, try and make a real point with you. Oh, I see. Sarcastic. I see what you mean. Sure. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And to and have like a real conversation if it's real. Yeah. Something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Sure. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so Chuck, the, the other thing about this too is, there's a there's another theory. It's like no, this is everybody. You're just overthinking this. It's just humor. Like people are dressing up, in otherwise boring or uh, pedestrian point. That they want to get across with, with just a little bit of humor. And it's like sarcasm is an easy way to use humor. Oscar Wilde said it was the lowest form of wit, but the highest right. form of intelligence. And that second part, I think he was referring to the fact that it, it takes some, some thinking to make a sarcastic comment. And it also takes some thinking to decode it, too. But it's not yeah. necessarily funny. Right. But that is supposedly the humor, and it is another theory for why we use sarcasm. That it's just, it's just humor. And I think from researching all of this, all of those make sense. And social psychology, in
1: typical mm. fashion, Ooh. has
0: found um, findings that support all of them and none of them at the same time.
1: <laughs> Should we take a break? Sure. All right, let's take a break. We'll talk a little bit about that and a little bit of, of the use of it uh, throughout history and culture and arts and stuff like that right after this.
0: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
2: Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Stuxnet. Who? Stuxnet? Stuxnet. I don't know what that you is. You know it's Stuxnet. Is, is that in this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. Yeah, whoever
0: hey, that's, that's the name of it. <laughs> I know. It's a great name. Alright. Stuxnet with an <laughs> with
1: an X. Alright. If you want to talk uh, literature, you can't get any more sarcastic at times than Mark Twain. Um, Shakespeare was pretty sarcastic at times. Uh, Chaucer was fairly sarcastic at times. Mm -hmm. They used an example in this article of the Bible that I didn't read as sarcasm.
0: I thought it was a bit of a stretch myself.
1: We'll go ahead and read it. This is from Ecclesiastes 11.9. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. I that feels more just sort of like a one two joke than sarcasm.
0: I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were like, there's gotta be something in here and that's the best they could
1: come up with. Maybe. Like we gotta find some sarcasm in the Bible, guys. Right. Get to work.
0: Right. Um but the the thing is is with that, like that kind of reveals like the one of the problems with sarcasm is that when it's just written, especially when it's written a couple thousand years ago, yeah. It's really difficult to discern sarcasm. You have to use whatever cues you can get, because you've had a lot of the normal cues stripped, like all those facial expressions, the intonation, mm-hmm. um, all of that yeah. stuff is is gone. And now it's just the printed word. So basically what you have is context. Um, and for that reason, and because we are entering, I, I guess we've already entered this digital age where like the written word is basically how we convey thoughts now, sarcasm's really taken a beating lately because um, study after study keeps finding that people grossly over- ex- overestimate how clearly their sarcasm is coming through in, like, texts and tweets and emails and stuff like that, and that it actually isn't being understood as sarcasm on the other end, even though the person who's sending the email or text thinks their sarcasm is clear as a bell.
1: Yeah, I just don't try to be sarcastic in emails, especially for work. I think it's just a good rule. Yeah. It's Like don't even try because it's not going to come through and like you said, you probably think it does. It's not obvious to other people. If you're texting with friends and stuff, you can you can do things like overspell things, like say great or you know, say insert the the eye roll emoji or even say sarcasm in parentheses or something like that. The one I've and, seen
0: is the backslash S.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a thing. Slash S. No, backslash. Yeah.
0: Which one is it? It's one of the slashes.
1: It's a, a backslash followed by an S. Okay. So backslash S. Um, because, you know, for the first, I don't know, I remember for, for, for the first few years of like social media and texting and stuff like that, there was a lot of talk about like, how do we indicate sarcasm? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the emojis kind of help solve that problem. But you can't do that in emails. No. Like professional emails, you're not going to send an emoji, eye roll emoji. No. Don't do it. Okay. I'm you might as do well do put three words. exclamation points at the end of, that's great.
0: Are we not doing that either? <laughs> this is why I don't email anybody. I don't know what I'm doing. But you're when I do emailer. email them, it's at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs>
1: Uh, One of the the cons of sarcasm, um, you know, it's, like you said, you can use it and employ it in certain certain circumstances, but there are people who just think it is a hostile act, and it is a way to say something and also let yourself off the hook for saying that thing Mm -hmm. at the same time, and that it is hostility veiled as humor is what – how they put it in this article and you know at times it very much can be that
0: yeah so the um, like marriage counselors um, uh, therapists like basically anybody who's who's dedicated to improving you as a person in exchange for money um, has kind of zeroed in on the the worst version of sarcasm, the the, the very strict definition of sarcasm is not verbal irony, but as an insult, as mocking somebody, as it being veiled hostility, like you're saying, passive aggressiveness, that kind of thing. And that that is no way to communicate, especially with somebody that you care about or love, that you should mm-hmm. be forthright, direct, honest with them. They're not saying like, you know, make sure you cut out humor. They're basically saying sarcasm isn't humor. And if you, if you think think it's humor like seriously like like just go find better humor because there's plenty of better stuff out there.
1: Here's a knock-knock joke book.
0: Right, right. And they so they're they're basically saying like kind of just cut that out of your interpersonal relationships at least again with people you care about because It probably does mask passive aggressiveness, and it's not doing anything but harming your your relationship. And in fact, John Gottman, um, who is a very uh, renowned uh, couples therapist, he and his wife are together, um, says that— sarcasm is, is one of the indicators of contempt. Yeah. Along with eye rolling, along with like raising a lip, like kind of in disgust while you're talking, that, that if you bad. put these together, that you, you are signaling that you have contempt for your significant other, and that contempt mm-hmm. is one of the, he calls them um, the four horsemen of, um, of a marriage, that it's a, it's a really good predictor of divorce when couples speak to each other with contempt. And mm-hmm. one of those ways that they'll speak to each other with contempt is through sarcasm.
1: Yeah, and it's just not a pleasant, like, it's one thing to be sarcastic here and there, but I have a friend whose father, uh, stepfather rather, is the most sarcastic, eye-rolly person I've ever met in my life Mm -hmm. to an alarming degree. And it's just so, like, it's such a turn off to be around this dude. (laughs) You're like, I don't want to have sex at all when I'm around him. Certainly not with him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he just and and you can tell like his marriage has suffered and there's he, he can't be straight Man. and it's just a oh it's just a chore to be around this guy I hope he listens to this and is like who's nah, he talking he about?
0: Oh, he's talking about me and you know. he changes his life. <laughs>
1: No, he would never listen to this. He wouldn't give me the satisfaction. <laughs> so, oh wow, that guy, huh? Yeah, he's that guy.
0: So that there's this is not to say that there's like no, nothing good about sarcasm. There, There's a, this one group of social psychologists who made names for themselves by basically saying, no, no, we figured out that if you take a test of creativity immediately after engaging in a sarcastic exchange, you're going to score higher on that test of creativity than you would had you not, been involved in a sarcastic exchange immediately beforehand and that has been turned into in the popular press as sarcasm boosts creativity across the board
1: yeah i guess the idea that it it challenges you challenges you to think in a different way because it's not straightforward mm-hmm. may have a little mm-hmm. something to it but i don't know it's a bit of a reach
0: there's other things. Uh, it provides social bonding, like you and your friends yeah. um, being sarcastic about stuff, especially if you're being sarcastic about, like, a shared target.
1: Yeah, like your teacher.
0: Sure. That's a great <laughs> example. Um It maintains social egalitarianism, like taking that fisherman down a peg before he gets a big ego for yeah. catching some fish. Sure. Um and it can make you seem apparently, as far as Harvard Business Review says, uh, more competent and intelligent at work. Um, which it makes sense in that you know you do kind of have to be sharp. At the very least, you're paying a little more attention probably yeah. if you deliver a sarcastic remark successfully. Right. It's also I, I, risky. I can buy that. You can also I'm really sure. come off looking like like your friend's dad, basically.
1: Yeah, and just professionally, like. Dial that stuff back. That's my advice.
0: Yeah. So the one thing I saw was uh, I I came across a K-State, I think it's Kansas State, newspaper from like 2011 maybe where they were talking about how sarcasm just totally pervades our society. And um, they gave an example of how primed we are for sarcasm that when we encounter earnestness, like, we, we might uh-huh. be confused at first <laughs> in some situations. Right, yeah. And And the, the writer gave this great example of Michael Richard's apology after he went on that racial oh, yeah, tirade yeah. at the uh-huh. Laugh Factory and then, like, a couple of days later went on Letterman. And the audience did not get, some of the audience, who hadn't heard about this, I guess, did not get that this was, like, a real apology. And part of it was his presentation <laughs> that it seemed like he was doing a bit kind of and the audience was kind that. of tittering. And Jerry Seinfeld, who was like in the studio with Letterman, had to turn to the audience and be like, stop laughing. It's not funny. And like tell them like he wasn't that this wasn't sarcasm, that this was for real. Yeah. And, and like if you go back and watch it, <laughs> if you're a fan of of laughing at things that make you deeply uncomfortable, right. like you will love <laughs> that bit.
1: It was, I remember it at the time, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that it was Kramer and it right. was hard to just take him seriously. Right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a mess. Yeah, it was a mess. It made
0: it a, even worse.
1: Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch that again today, actually. I could use some cringe humor. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? Oh, no, Josh. I had nothing else.
0: Yeah, Chuck, this went real well. <laughs> we did a great job. Man, I'm annoying myself even now. So let's just know, end this. Too. Since I said I'm annoying myself, uh, let's uh, go to Listener mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call this Elton John song, because why not? Hey guys, love, love, love your podcast. Been make, making my way through the whole catalog. I've uh, been tempted to write, but I didn't think I had anything interesting to say before. You may not think it's interesting now. I do though. <laughs> But what finally prompted me is uh, when you were talking about Elton John and the Soul Train episode so long ago, Josh said he'd never heard the song Burn Down the Mission. It made me think of the powerful song Ticking from Elton John's 74 Caribou album. The song was way ahead of its time in the way that it foretold many future events. I can't ever remember it being a popular, well-known song, but if you've not heard it, go listen to it. It gives me chills every time I hear it. Keep up the good work, guys. And this is from Dinah Clay Melvin. In Fort Worth, Texas, and I went back and looked at the lyrics, and dude, "Ticking" is a song about a uh, an aggressive, ticking time bomb white male shooter. Oh yeah, from nineteen seventy four. Yeah, and it's all right there. I I am assuming Bernie Taupin wrote it. I'm not. I didn't look it up, but I think he was kind of writing all of his stuff back then. Who, Bernie Taupin? Yeah. Oh you do that's a referential joke to another
0: episode from a conversation we had i guess probably (laughs) in the episode that this guy's talking about
1: oh boy um but yeah it's it's interesting to go back and listen to that song from early 1970s of and of course it wasn't a big hit like she said but it's uh i don't know it's just interesting to hear that and be like man you can't you couldn't write a song that on the nose today so, there, he wasn't the only one who was
0: predicting that at the time. Like, Stephen King had a, a short story about a kid who comes in and, like, just shoots up his school. And it's basically, it's like this teenage revenge fantasy. But it, it was is it exactly what ended up happening, like, 20 years later. He wrote that oh, in the 70s. I don't think I knew that. can't remember what that one was called. Um, and then there's, like, um, remember Falling Down? That movie with Michael Douglas from the late oh, 80s? Yeah. Uh-huh. That was basically about that, that as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see. I just want to make sure we don't give Elton John undue credit here is kind of what I'm going after. <laughs> oh, man. Okay.
1: Your classic beef
0: with Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we're at the end of this episode, aren't we?
1: I hope we are.
0: All right. Wow, well, there's a little bit of short stuff crossover right there. So let's uh, let's end this as we normally do. If you want to get in touch with us like Dinah did, uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.
1: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
2: Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures.